0: Welcome to another outstanding podcast here in Pulaski County with the 100 Families Alliance. We have an amazing guest today, David Deer. You know, one of the funniest things that we just talked about, he's not a doctor, but I've been calling him Dr. (laughs) Dr. Deer because of all of his knowledge and all of his research and all the the things that he's going to teach us today. Dr. Sorry, David. That's Okay. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. We will be talking about fetal alcohol syndrome disorder. Is that right? F-A-S-D. What does all that stand for? And can you just enlighten us for those that don't know what it is and just give us some facts and data, all that stuff.
1: Okay, I'll do that. And feel free to jump in and stop with questions when you have them, but... uh, yeah actually it's fetal alcohol spectrum, spectrum disorders from disorders. one of the disorders on that spectrum is fetal alcohol syndrome ah oh. and then there are others that are uh, alcohol related neurodevelopmental disabilities and pre- uh, uh, prenatal alcohol exposure okay and uh, neurodevelopmental disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure so there are a lot of different long names that go with it
0: so it's the fetal alcohol spectrum Spectrum. Spectrum. and then fetal alcohol syndrome is a part of the spectrum that's right see I didn't even know that I didn't even know that word spectrum exists
1: you're a doctor now (laughs) (laughs) that's right we'll give you a doctorate (laughs) (laughs) yeah and one that I didn't mention is alcohol related birth defects okay and we were talking a moment ago about that. And yes. In addition, what we really focus on are the effects on the central nervous system, the, the baby's brain and mm-hmm. the spinal cord and, and the effects that it has on that. But there can be other birth defects that go with it. Other organs can be affected by the alcohol.
0: Yeah, that was interesting to me. Um, and
1: what we know is that alcohol is the most um, powerful Paratogen's the word they have for it. it, it's something that can be harmful to a baby. that's <laughs> developing. And alcohol is more powerful than any illegal drugs. Um, wow.
0: You said, when, when, when is that in the development stage?
1: Well, it's at any it's point detrimental. in development. We know that the neural cells that form the brain and the central nervous <laughs> mm-hmm. system begin to separate from the other cells in the embryo about day 17, 18. So a, a mother so doesn't even like know that. The, the first day that the brain is developing. Right. And so that is really the worst day to drink. And how many women know they're pregnant right. on day 17 or 18?
0: Because that's the early time, I mean you, the early part of your pregnancy, you don't even Absolutely.
1: know. Really about the only women that know they're pregnant then are the ones that have been working with the doctor really yeah. hard. They've been trying, right? to, trying to get pregnant. They've been trying to get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So and one thing that we really fight against, it's, it's a real barrier for us, is the stigma that goes with this, mm-hmm. uh, blaming the mom for, for drinking. And we know that almost half the pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. Right. And so it's not even enough to tell women, well, when you decide you want to have a baby, stop drinking. Yeah. That's exactly. not even enough. And, and pr- frankly, health care providers don't tell women not to drink when they're pregnant. Some do, but many still do not. Yeah. And so is it really a woman's fault if she drinks while she's pregnant? And a lot of times the doctors say, yeah, it's okay to. Hmm. And so it's really not her fault. We shouldn't be looking down on anyone or, or stigmatizing anyone right. for that.
0: And so when you say, like, there are some doctors that say it's okay to... Is it okay to drink certain things? Like I've heard red wine is like okay to drink.
1: Well, it really depends on how many grams of alcohol are in that drink. Okay. And any alcoholic drink has alcohol in
0: Mm
1: -hmm. it. And most people who are drinking don't think in terms of standard drinks. Right. But that's what professionals, what doctors are thinking of if they say, okay, it's okay to have a drink. They're talking about having, you know, a can of beer or four ounces of wine, mm-hmm. um, and what I may hear, if you tell me it's okay to have a drink a day, I may think that a 44 ounce big gulp of vodka is okay. It's okay. That's one drink. Right. Well, it's not what they're talking about. and. There's been plenty of study that show that even low-level drinking can have an effect on a child, even if they don't qualify for a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, Mm -hmm. or FASD, which is what we'll refer to that today. That's the shorthand. Okay. Even if they don't have FASD, there can be some problems with the baby habituating. That means getting on a wake-sleep cycle and feeding cycle. They may have more trouble nursing. Uh, They may have more colic. So there can be problems even if it doesn't rise to the level of an FASD. So unequivocally, the best message is no alcohol during pregnancy.
0: When will a parent um, or a doctor, when will they know if a a baby is suffering from the FASD? That's a great
1: question. Uh, In a few cases, they may know at birth. but those are the cases where the babies are most profoundly affected
0: okay
1: Uh, often we associate facial features with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders Mm -hmm. but really it's only FAS fetal alcohol syndrome where they have the facial features and features that we look for and the average person may not even pick this up but Mm -hmm. the opening for the eye between one corner and the other is a little smaller
0: Mm. Hmm.
1: and the philtrum which is the indentation right under your nose Mm -hmm. is a little smoother and the upper lip or the vermilion as it's called is thinner not as thick and full those are really the primary features they look for there are some others that may be present okay but those are only in 10 to 12 percent of the cases and those are the ones where they might Identify that they have an FASD at birth, okay All the others it's going to be later and in our diagnostic clinic that we have Really before they're age three. It's really difficult to make a diagnosis Really Uh, one of the things that we have to look for for the diagnosis that we can give that's not fetal alcohol syndrome Is that they are delayed developmentally?
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Well how delayed is a newborn? Right. there are things we look at that may be indicators that they're like if, if
0: they're not crawling at a certain age or right okay but isn't there, isn't there little... a trick where you can like touch the bottom of their foot and they move it or something oh, right yeah. there, there are
1: primitive reflexes yeah. we call them that, primitive that reflexes. They look for. and if uh, all babies have those when they're born but they're supposed to lose them depending on the reflex at certain stages of development hmm. and hmm. so if they haven't lost those primitive reflexes, then that could be an indicator. And mm-hmm. if a baby doesn't smile at their caregiver, and if they're not tracking things with their eyes, those yeah. are all things you can look at really early. And sitting and walking and crawling and all those things uh, are developmental milestones. Mm-hmm. But to, a lot of things can cause those. And so for us to say, To well, find if it's, it's FASD alcohol yeah. exposure that causes this, you have to get into a little more advanced behavior. Okay. And what we're really picking up on are a lot of uh, the long word is neurobehavioral disorders or okay. delays. And it basically means behavior issues that are based in the brain. Okay. And there are quite a few of those that we see with, with FASD. And those tend to be there. Uh, Even when other things aren't even when the facial features aren't uh, Some people have learning problems other people don't some of them may be The most advanced kids in the class Hmm. but still have the behavior problems that go along with it Okay, and some of those uh, well probably the most uh, Common behavior cluster that we see are the things that are associated with feet attention deficit hyperactivity disorder.
0: Okay, so the ADHD. ADHD, being very
1: hyperactive, having trouble focusing. Mm -hmm. uh, Things that involve uh, the part of the brain that's called the frontal cortex. And that's where we call them executive functions are located, Mm -hmm. and that's a person's ability to um, delay gratification. I can put off something in the In the present because I know I'll get it in In the the future future. okay Uh, having impulse control right you know I I think and then I act and then I think about what I did later that's a feature of it Uh, just just decision-making in general Uh, an area that we call working memory is part of that and that's an ability to put everything together to make a decision in a split second Mm -hmm. things that you don't even think about that if something happens you act and react in a certain way and they may have the ability to do that but it may take them five or ten minutes to put together the plan Mm -hmm. well by then they've already reacted and and they've already often reacted in a way that gets them in trouble right doing something that is considered socially inappropriate or or uh, violating the rules They really have trouble understanding rules, Mm -hmm. and strangely, most of them can recite rules to you. But knowing how to follow the rule is where the gap comes in for them. That's
0: interesting, and that
1: really causes a problem because the parents, the teachers, the Sunday school teachers, the ball coaches say, Well, they know the rule, they he looked me in the eye and told (laughs) me, right? And then he didn't do it, right? Well, it Seems to most of us just natural that if you know the rule, that, you'll that you know, how to, know yeah. how to follow right. it and when to follow it. Uh, you know, learning not to run in the, the school, well, there are exceptions to that. You know, if if there's an active shooter drill,
0: yes, they tell you to run, to run. And,
1: and take cover. <laughs> uh, being able to sort through things like that that their peers are able to do, but but they're not. Hmm. a lot of times they don't understand the consequences of their actions and so they break a rule they get in trouble for it and they don't learn from it they they do it again and again and again so anyone that's working with a child that does the the same thing over and over and over Mm -hmm. gets in trouble over and over and over and just doesn't seem to learn that should be a red flag that this we may be looking at fetal alcohol spectrum disorder
0: and how do we as so educators in school um police officers because they're going to come in contact with you know the people average,
1: average age of first encounter with law enforcement is 12 years 6 months
0: what are some practical ways to deal with that though if you especially if you know as a teacher yeah, say you, as you a teacher you would have to know what if if they're in the classroom, and well, it's hard for law enforcement because they're just out, you know, they're right. doing their job. But as a teacher, in, you're in the classroom and you know that you have a student that is suffering from the FASD. Uh, mm-hmm. What's some practical ways on dealing with that okay. in the classroom? Because yep. you've got me, 20 kids or more.
1: Exactly. Well, let me back up just a little bit. What I haven't told you is how common this is. Mm. and the National Institutes of Health which is sort of the gold standard for health services health care research in the nation mm-hmm. funded studies and it was published in JAMA one of the premier uh, medical journals in the nation they found that one in 21st graders in four different regions of the country had an FASD That's a so that comment. classroom of 20 that you talked about in all likelihood one of There's them one. Has it. right but less than 1% of them were diagnosed. So it's not just in the state of Arkansas, it's across the nation and really worldwide. Uh There are some countries that are ahead of us, but really worldwide, we're not really identifying it, Mm -hmm. we're not aware of it, we're not knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that case, if that teacher uh, knows she has a student, that's one thing, if she doesn't, one thing we're trying to do is train schools so they might suspect that, oh, this, this is behaving, this child is behaving mm-hmm. like someone that might have an FASD. We should get them evaluated. Yeah, right. he,
0: he doesn't understand the consequences. Yeah. He doesn't understand why he keeps getting in trouble.
1: Yeah. I worked with a kid um, 20 years ago in a program. We were trying to find people that were at risk of losing their placement in the community because of a disability. And I didn't know anything about FASD at that time. I am absolutely convinced that's what this child had. Mm -hmm. And what happened in his case, he was in the CBI, community-based instruction Mm -hmm. program at the school. And as part of that, part of his community-based activity was they had him and one other uh, student loading the drink machines in the school. That was Mm -hmm. part of their...
0: Their daily routine? Preliminary so job to, skill yeah, training. okay.
1: And a teacher would go with them and monitor them while they loaded the drink machine. Well, one time the teacher didn't go with them, and guess what happened? He took about $100 out of the drink machine and wow. spent the weekend in juvenile detention for, for stealing.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was a case where really the school was negligent.
0: As a teacher should uh, have Even been.
1: though we yeah. didn't know he had FASD, we knew from his behavior that he was probably going to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: And like having the lack of impulse control, lack of uh, understanding consequences of your actions, mm-hmm. all those things just made him vulnerable to that. Another thing I didn't mention is a lot of times they have trouble. A lot of the kids that we see are pretty good at making friends, but they're not so good at keeping friends. Mm. And, but they really want friends. Mm-hmm. And so that makes them very uh, susceptible to uh, peer pressure. Yeah. I to want, you to, end, like me, I so want you to like me, so whatever you tell yeah. me to do. And their peers pick up on this that, oh, little Billy. He'll
0: do anything. He'll do anything. we him
1: And we've heard a number of cases of people uh, Kids who got in trouble because their their peers put them up to taking something shoplifting from the store or uh, going to buy alcohol when they were underage and mm-hmm. things like that that they pretty well should know they get caught most you know their peers knew they couldn't get right. away with it so All they right. put them up to it and but some things that teachers c- can do a lot of it is knowing where they have problems, mm-hmm. and knowing where they're likely to get in trouble, and not putting them in that in situation, the yeah. like the the kid with the drink machine, not having them ever do that by themselves,
0: right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: right. Uh, now, are they capable of learning? Uh, most of them can, but it's probably going to take them a lot longer than it does their peers.
0: Hmm.
1: And often they they are lacking the skills to function with the level of uh, independence and um, just to perform in a lot of life situations that you would expect their peers to do. Right. Um, And so there may be things that the teacher wouldn't let the student with FASD do that they will their, their peers because okay. they know it's going to end badly yeah uh, some it's of them are, challenge for some that. of them are never allowed to to be in the hallway by themselves right. uh, you know they'll pull the fire alarm they'll they'll do whatever comes along comes in their mind and as they get older they'll learn not to do that but they may not know when they're in elementary school not to do that their peers may all know it but they don't yet know that mm-hmm. yeah uh, and I, we tell parents, if you have a child with an FASD, you're probably not going to let them go run with their friends on the weekend, and give them a curfew of midnight, and expect them to come in and everything be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this weekend it may be okay, next weekend it may, but sooner or later, uh, somebody's going to put them up to doing something, or or they're just going to make a bad decision
0: and get them in trouble. And get them in all. trouble,
1: and that's hard when you when. Their peers are all doing that, and they're not able to to do that themselves. Right. Now, I might do that if they had an older brother that would look after them and make sure they didn't do anything that would get them right. in trouble. Yeah, but not just letting them do that independently.
0: Yeah, there's um, there isn't a cure for this at all. I mean, not currently.
1: Uh, there's research being done on some things that. There's some promise. Right now, the research is being done in animals. Okay. You know, that's the way we do research. Yeah. We start out with animals, and it works with them. Then we'll see if it works with humans. We don't want to um, subject humans to something that's just totally untested. Mm-hmm. And that it show, there are some things that are showing some promise. There are some supplements that that they have given to mice and rats mm-hmm. that have uh reversed some of the effects of the alcohol if they do that early after birth wow uh so there there could be some things on the horizon but right now there's nothing we can do to undo what's happened what we can do there there are a lot of therapies that can help them build those skills that's what i was going to ask yeah Uh, we know that um Not all, but but some kids who are exposed to alcohol prenatally uh, while the woman is pregnant, uh, some of them have a smaller brain. Hmm. And it just, and what happens with the alcohol exposure, the brain cells just don't all develop in the same way. Okay. And so their brain may be structurally different, and it may also be functionally different. So it may be a different size, it may look different if you could in and we know that from some autopsies they've done with with infants who died and looked at the brains and there were things that were just different about them the hemispheres were not neatly divided mm-hmm. they didn't have all the same grooves and and uh, indentations that the brain is supposed to have but the other thing is it may just work differently and so what we can do is we can help them to Make new neural connections it's okay. your brain is sort of like a, a computer circuit
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if part of the circuit's not working, you can rewire it and run those messages different places. Uh, it may not work as efficiently or as well, but it can work better than it was before, before. and so there are a lot of things that can be done interventions and and um, therapies that can be done with, and and really the earlier the better, mm-hmm. that we do these, it can make a difference in that person's life development.
0: So it's basically um, just training the brain to think a different way and to react a different way. Right. And it's is it like more of just like a consistent type of way of doing things with the therapy or readings or like... What is it that, that happens in therapy that, that can help with that brain neurology?
1: Well, part of it, it. it would be therapy that would need to be done by a neuropsychologist or a speech mm. therapist. Okay. Uh, a trained professional yeah. that would know the things they can do that, that help develop that. And one of my colleagues, Elizabeth Cleveland, is on, uh, we co-direct the, uh, it's called the Specially Diagnostic Resource Center. Mm-hmm. And the major thing we're doing is uh, seeing, started out seeing children, now we see some adults as well for diagnosis. Hmm. But we've started adding in uh, training for, for school teachers, school personnel, That's training good. for uh, families. Uh, in fact, this coming Friday, we'll have our once a month, we call it guided conversations, where we start with... A, brief presentation on a topic for families, and then open it up for the families to teach one another. That's good. You know, I have an older kid, and this is what worked for us. And that's that's often the very best thing for for families, more than the experts telling them how to do things. It's other parents helping them.
0: That's so good. Um,
1: But they are also, um, at the University of Central Arkansas in the speech and hearing program, Elizabeth is working with graduate students, training them to do the interventions with the group. And they've worked with a group of four young adults this this summer, uh, teaching the, uh, helping them develop social skills, mm-hmm. and uh, working on job readiness. And a lot of that is working on the soft skills. I know you're you're working with peop- uh, 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 adults, uh, people, adults, people coming out of prison and with families mm-hmm. in, the, in the 100 Families Program, yes. helping them to become employed. And you probably are aware that one of the biggest things that stand in the way of people uh, keeping a job, maybe more than getting a job, is just the interpersonal skills. Yeah. Yes, Showing up on time, getting along with their coworkers. Yes. So those are some of the things they've been working on this summer is trying to give them the social skills that is and awful. the job readiness
0: how do we refer or can you tell our alliance cuz we have a lot of um, members of the alliance that are in the community um, whether they're agencies, schools, teachers, individuals how do we connect case someone dealing yeah, with case families. workers how do we connect with you like okay. if we know a family that may pop. i mean they may a, think that their kid that yeah. there you go. is on that spectrum Or even adoptive parents, uh, foster parents.
1: Yeah, 17% of the kids in foster care have an FASD. So, you know, there are a lot of them, and it's probably even higher than that, but that's there was one study that was done several years ago that found 17%. Uh, Well, let me first issue a disclaimer. Uh, We have no money for this. Okay. Uh, well, that's not really true.
0: We don't have money either, but.
1: Um. <laughs> we know how to do a lot with a little, don't we? <laughs> <Right. clears throat> that's not really true when I say we have no money. Uh, we started the Specialty Diagnostic Resource Center, SDRC. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we start started that with uh, as part of a federal training grant. Okay. The training grant is to University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, but UAMS works with UALR, uh, UCA, um, University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, and uh, has been working with the University of Southern Mississippi as part of this Mm -hmm. to train graduate students to work with people with disabilities. Hmm. And so we started this clinic a couple of years ago as part of that training program and the focus is training graduate students but to do that we need families to for them to, to assess train, to, yeah. yes yes and to, to make the diagnoses and mm. also how to intervene and work with the families to help them right so we have just a little bit of funding for the st- for the faculty to work on that I'm totally volunteer myself I, I retired a few years ago and well, good for you. Uh, said in within a f- few years after retirement, I wanted to try to build services in the state for okay. FASD. So we may not be able to respond to every request. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to th- understand that. To get that yes. Out. Okay. yes. But we're we're doing everything we can and we're trying to we've gone from uh, diagnosing a family and the family asking for training and we we give them individual training. Mm-hmm and then asking for us to train their uh, school that's working with that student. Uh, yeah. And we're, we're trying to move more to doing larger group trainings, just so we can reach more people. Okay. And that's what the guided conversations that we're mm-hmm. doing for the families once a month on the first Friday of the month. Um, and we're, we did a training for school personnel this summer, and okay. we're trying to do more of those through this year. Uh, but th- the way to to get in touch with us is to go to uh, Specialty Diagnostic Resource Center. Okay. Uh, if you Google that, you'll, you'll find it. If you put in SDRC, you get something I think totally related did. to engineering.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so you have to spell that out, specially. If you spell that out
1: in a search, okay, in it, you know in Google search or uh, uh, any search engine mm-hmm. uh, it will take you to the website for SDRC okay. where we're doing these activities uh, now the other uh, resource that people should know about is Arkansas nine for nine. none for nine nine for nine None for nine is in no alcohol for the nine months during pregnancy hmm. oh
0: that's good okay and, and we're gonna have this information in the in our little chat box
1: or wherever Okay. Could, yeah, yeah, and I can give you so, the, yeah, the URL for all this. It's okay. Uh, Arkansas None for Nine is uh, a nonprofit group mm-hmm. that's dedicated to providing, uh, to helping prevent fetal alcohol exposed births okay. and to uh, provide support and training for. Families and professionals. It's really the same thing we're doing with SDRC. Mm-hmm. They go hand in hand, but they're separate entities. Okay. Uh, and so, if you go to Arkansas None for Nine, all spelled out, the mm-hmm. word Arkansas spelled out None for Nine dot org. Okay. That takes you to that website. Good information. Great. Uh, That's good. And there's a national organization called NoFAS. National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome. And they're going to change their name sometime in the next couple of months, I think. OK. But right now it's NoFast. They may just add a D on the end to to look more at the spectrum instead of just fetal alcohol gotcha. syndrome, which mm-hmm. is what yeah. they started out. Uh, but nofast.org, okay. nofas.org, N-O-F-A-S dot org, has a world of resources available. Uh, and um, Proof Alliance is another group that has a lot of good resources. Okay. and They have a really good website. They're out of Minnesota. And Arkansas None for Nine and Proof Alliance are both uh, state affiliates mm-hmm. of NOFAS. Okay. So they have affiliates not in every state but in most states. Right. And Arkansas None for Nine is the one in Arkansas. Okay. And Arkansas None for Nine has an annual conference. The one for this year is coming up on September 9th. Uh, That's soon. Yeah, it's Gosh, already about August. five weeks away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, is it yeah. via
0: Zoom or is it, via, well, with everything Right now,
1: it's planned to be hybrid. You can either go in person to Pulaski Tech. Okay. Or you can participate through Zoom. Okay. Uh, we're not sure what will happen given the last month in arkansas we may uh the keynote speaker is coming in from indiana it's Mm -hmm. a a man who has adopted several children he has two adult sons with fetal alcohol syndrome who are coming in to present with him Hmm. one of them is uh, an outstanding runner and qualified for the boston marathon oh wow and you they don't have a separate route into that for people with disabilities. He qualified, like everybody else, on time Good for him. to be able to run in the Boston Marathon. And wow. so and I talked with him this past week uh, with the father, Craig. Mm-hmm. And he's planning to come regardless. If we have to cancel the in-person part, he's going to come. And we'll have a handful of people there to make His make it more natural for his Mm -hmm. sons to be talking to people and not just to a camera.
0: That is so good.
1: And and then we also have a couple of local people. We have a psychologist and then uh, Elizabeth Cleveland that I mentioned earlier is going to present in the afternoon.
0: That is so good. So
1: um, we hope people will join us for that.
0: And that's on the website. That information about the conference in September is on the website. So they can go there and just click on that. Right. That's good. Well, Dr. (laughs) Deer, we have enjoyed you seriously, David. We have enjoyed your time, your knowledge. I mean, I'm sure that the Alliance has um, just got a wealth of knowledge today and probably have some questions (laughs) even
1: (laughs) after this. Well, we we we, welcome those. Thank you. They can certainly send those to us, and we'll do our best to answer them. I, I realize that a lot of what I've done is talking about what this is and I probably a lot of the folks would like for me to have gotten more into more detail on what do I do when my child does this? Yes. A, B, or C. Well, guess, but we can get them connected with us to help them learn good, how to do as that.
0: That's good. And, and uh, we'll, we'll have you for our alliance meeting, so right, there'll right. be a lot of questions then. Okay. Um, that I'm sure, and you'll have a whole hour, you know, to talk about it. People can ask questions, but we thank you for your time here today.
1: Well, you're welcome. And
0: I just know that you're doing great work, and there are a lot of families and children out there that need your help. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I Mm
1: -hmm. appreciate the opportunity to... Get the word out to anyone that I can.
0: Absolutely. So you've heard it here from Dr. <laughs> dear <laughs> David, um, about the fetal alcohol spectrum.
1: spectrum. Disorder.
0: Disorder. Okay. There you go. A- F-A-S-D. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you again.